I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. And on my deathbed and my final breath, I'm going to be going, you know, this is not satisfactory. The story didn't <laughs> the story didn't go the way I, I fucking wanted it to. Our next guest is one of my all-time favorite impersonators. This comedian was a cast member on Saturday Night Live from 1995 to 2009. He is known for his Bill Clinton and Donald Trump impersonations, just to name a few. He's also an author of God, If You're Up There, I'm Fucked, Tales of a Stand-Up. And there is an amazing documentary made about his life called Cracked Up. Please get his book. Please watch the doc. Welcome to the party, Daryl Hammond. Daryl's here. Oh, you guys. look good. You, you know, I was going to say from the last time we talked to you, you make me, I'm not a regular smoker, but you make me want to have a cigarette. So <laughs> yeah. I love a casual. Oh yeah. Tom, did you, yeah. Have you, how long did you smoke for? I, I never smoked. Oh, an addict. And, and so once I chewed nicotine, I'm like, I'm not going to smoke, but I will do that. That's but a, you love the nicotine. Well, you I do. Like, it is tasty. Yeah. When my dad, when I got my dad to quit smoking, before he died of lung cancer, when I got him to quit smoking, uh, he, I convinced him to try nicotine. It was the old. He wouldn't buy the good nicotine. It was from uh, uh, the generic. And it's the tasted, ninety-nine cent store nicotine. Speaking of which, I'm going to look for my Nicorette, so keep going. Do it, yeah. Um, I love, I could, I could, I don't have an addictive personality, but I could do a cigarette a day. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. Just one, almost like a cocktail, like I, but I like to do it, I I do it when I do it, and I have my daughter, I do it in like a shameful out by the trash cans in the back when, if I've just had, had it with parenting i i go in the back and hide behind the trash can this nicorette by the way it's four milligram nicorette and i i used to chew three pieces so now daryl how many milligrams are you at 
I don't know. It says N2, so I don't know. N2, yeah, two, milligrams. two milligrams. Okay. Well, uh, I, many years ago, when Arnold was the governor, he, you know, we, I did smoke cigars. I did the day, and, and will occasionally smoke a cigar. But he smoked a, a bunch of cigars, and he was in a semi-trailer truck, and he was on the other side of the California border, this uh, in Nevada, and the truck said, "Go California, bring business here." And so he's sitting there. I went up there to, to see him. And he's like, you know, he's been sitting in the cabin of his truck with all the press around it, and he couldn't smoke. He was like, yeah, smoke. Give me some of that goddamn dickerette. And I gave him like a 12-pack a of this, and uh, he started chewing it. And then it, we, it, he drove, and we got to the end of it. He got out of the truck. He says, God damn it. I, I, it was fucking hallucinating. What is in that? I go, what? Did you chew all of it? He goes, yes, yes. Oh. I, I go, oh, my God. And so. <laughs> Yeah, so it could be powerful stuff, even if you're. I feel like I would take two chews of it, and I'd have to shit my pants. Oh well, that's a good thing to do. Well, not shit your pants, but shit. Great weight weight loss. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it certainly when I talk to addicts, I say they can't. You know, quitting smoking is the hardest thing. I think Daryl can relate to this, and of all the stuff. And I hear it's yeah, like harder than kicking heroin. Yeah. And it is, and it is, uh, but I say to them, this is the same drug. You know the drug that you want in your head from the cigarettes? This is the same, exactly, except without the smoke and the other bullshit. So you gotta convince yourself, oh no, this is, you know, I had to quit smoking in one day. I used to smoke five, six cigars a day, and I was getting ready to do this movie with, uh, where Maggie Gyllenhaal was my girlfriend. Happy endings, a fun movie. And the night before, the director said, she doesn't want you to smoke. And I go, oh, okay, I won't smoke around her. And she doesn't want you to smoke at all because you're. we had to be shirtless. She could smell it. And so uh, that night, I had to quit smoking. Uh, and uh, and I started chewing a bunch of these. And it, that's 10 years ago. It was 12 years ago, and here we are. So it's good. Well, Daryl, Daryl, look at you. Uh, you're, you're looking all funky today. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Daryl, have you ever been married? Yes, I was married uh, to the same woman twice. And, um, <laughs> and, and divorce in New York State for a man uh, who at the time had a couple of bucks. Yeah. Um, it was a real slugfest. Yeah, was a real freaking and 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 to learn, you know, once again, I'm learning things at a late stage in life that someone should have fucking taught me long yeah. time fucking go. Yeah. How come I fucking don't? Here's another thing. How the fuck don't I know this? I didn't know that it was civil court, and they could fling all the mud in the world. I mean, they could they could put things in the affidavit. I could. Anyone can. That's simply not true. Yeah. But that might might persuade the judge. Now, what you know, what kind of system are we talking about? I mean, yeah. I ended up walking, you know, coming away with um very little. So I take it you did not have a prenup, as nor did Tom for all four of his marriages. And I would ask Tom the same question that I asked myself. What's the deal with getting married? <laughs> yeah. Right. What's yeah. the deal with adding the state of New York and God Almighty um, yeah. to your daily routine? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you, it depends on how you grow up. If you grow up and you have the fantasy of, oh, this is how you end up with a family. This is what you got to do. You know, I mean, I got a late start. I didn't get married first time until I was 30. You know, my family, my sister got married at 14. My mom was 16. Where, you know, my sister's husband is already dead. He died in a mysterious uh, fire in his bed after he beat her up. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think I was always, and I realized this when I, my kids were born. Oh, this is what I was looking for. This is truly unconditional love. This is, it goes both ways. I think I was trying to get that within these relationships. And, you know, we're people pleasers, Daryl. We're like, well, we're going to show you. We're going to show you who we are. And we're all about. And I think you trust that both people are in it the same amount. I have to ask you why you got married twice to the same woman. You're the first person we've ever had on that has got married twice. We were in a role. Uh, uh, I don't know how I can do this. We were in a role. Uh, the marriage ended and we were quite friendly. And then. Um, who knows? We thought maybe being pals. Mm -hmm. Is good is is the route to take here. Yeah. You know? Kind of like the whole Goldie Hawn, Kurt Russell situation. I mean, I don't know them personally, but I feel like if you don't get married and you just choose every day to be with that person, yeah, maybe we don't all become codependent little bitches. I don't know. It's it's almost like the second. I mean, the second. I enter into a relationship of any real significance. Um, it won't take me too long for, to start reenacting some measure of behavior I saw in my home growing up. Mm -hmm. To start doing stuff like I saw it done. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you don't sit down and speak in measured tones and conciliatory tones to one another. You break a window for God's sake and you lay down for a couple of weeks and nobody knows where the fuck you are. That's how you handle the that. That's how you handle it, right? And That's it's strange. so hot and fiery. Yeah. And it's strange because you know, I watch I've been watching really enjoying watching the the dog videos on Instagram and the way they raise their young. And I thought to myself, you know, there's a rhyme and a reason to the way they, they nurture their pups as opposed to our house uh, where, I mean, Tom and I have stories that include, I don't want to speak about your story. My story includes violence, criminal violence. Okay, I'm going to walk out of that house and I'm going to know what to do. And the weird thing is, you don't. Know, it's like being a fish. You don't know you're a fish till you're on land and see humans. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I don't know, fucker. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I don't. There's a lot of chaos growing up. My mother's alcoholic addict, uh, married seven times in our small town. You know, my dad was pretty solid. He he did he raised us, but still, you when you got all that stuff, and uh, uh, but fortunately, by the time I was four, there she was gone. But, you know, you, I do remember moments, but I also remember, you know, uh, what, how does this all work? What is, uh, you know, I, I said, I don't want to be like my dad or my mom, married seven times, whatever. And I want to be like my dad. But then I found myself going her path. Like I said, I'm never going to drink, do drugs, 
Uh, and then I did drugs with my ball. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I started getting married and I started repeating that, that behavior that I'd seen and not the good behavior. Um, and I get, uh, part of my things, I, my self-esteem was never, uh, never right. And in every relationship, there was a point where I felt I've tried as much as I could try. This isn't working. They hate me. I got it. I got it. This has to be over. And I'm going to wait for them to make it over because I'm not going to be the guy that's, uh, that's, uh, you know, that says, okay, this is over. This is enough. I will, I'll start behaving. I'll start doing more drugs or doing whatever and they'll leave. And then it's, you know, and then it's onward and upward. Sort of a preemptive strike. Yeah. I know it's, I know we're going to be at war eventually. So let me just blow up this bridge over here. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like Tom, when you talk about the self-esteem thing, so I was raised by two addicts also, and I just read some psychiatrist or someone I follow was like, you know, when parents are, you know, raising a child in an abusive home, they don't learn to hate the parents. They learn to hate themselves. Oh, and I feel and like, you know, what, you know why that is? Why? Tell us. I'm asking you. I, you know, I, I, I I'm asking my strength. Go ahead. I assume it's because as children, we look up to them like, you know, heroes or celebrities in our eyes, and we just want to be loved by them. And so we think if they're not treating us the way maybe we thought we should be, we think there's something wrong with us, you know? Yeah. And for me, I think it's possible. It's it's better for me personally to believe that I am a bad person and I'm what's wrong here than believe that my parents don't love me. Mm. I'd rather, I'll, I'll take the blame. Yeah. Because the, the, yeah. the only other explanation is you guys don't give a fuck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I do get where you said, you and your wife got divorced and then you were friends. And people ask me, you know, every time Roseanne does something on the news, they say, hey, are you guys still friends? And I go, if we could be friends, we'd, we'd still be married. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> That's the key, you know? So I do understand why you went, well, we're still friends. How are you, you do different? Yeah, what, how was the second was different? The second marriage, what had you learned that you brought in? The second marriage was the same person. What did you learn that you brought to that? And then you hear your shrinks talking about your script. What's your <laughs> script? When you get in a relationship, you're going to have to change the nouns, new people. You might even be in a different city. Um, but the rest of it uh, is going to be pretty much uh, as it was before. You know, mm -hmm. the idea that I just keep reenacting some part of my childhood. They say it's like an infrared like you can be at a party and whatever your deal is, you will be laser without any words attracted to the person that you have the same weird fucked up deal to work out with. Mm -hmm. Over the yeah. I've, yeah. I, I've never had any trouble finding my most passionate love affairs. They simply floated over to me mm -hmm. like Casper, the friendly ghost, like, <laughs> and my feet had 
they've I've got a lock, they've got a key. Or they've got a lock and I've got the key. We open those doors and we become stand-in for one another's original perpetrators. And, and, and that's the weirdest thing in the world to think about is transference and because you're I'm looking, my doctors used to tell me you're looking for a stand-in. Mm. For someone who faintly or somewhat resembles your mom. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're just going to keep looking for that right. and you're going to get into it. And per, and then after a time it becomes impossible and she's going to have trauma too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or she's not. And after a time it becomes impossible to distinguish between them, between her, me and our original perps. And we're throwing down. I mean, we're throwing fucking down and throwing shit in the street and she's having a nervous breakdown and I'm cutting myself, you know. Um, you know, I, thank God I I had health insurance. Although the one, the one major place that I went didn't take health insurance, but most of the time I had health insurance and learned, and, and learned this stuff all the way. You know, my, my current shrink says when you get triggered, you're actually time traveling. When you get triggered into fight or flight by a mild occurrence in your life, you're really time traveling. You really have one foot in that kitchen in Melbourne, Florida as a five-year-old and now. And that's a hard way to live, you know, and that's why, you know, I'm in this, these 12 step programs where they preach and the most brilliant thing they preach is God is in the pause. We pause when agitated, Mm -hmm. let this thing become a non-issue and then figure it out, you know, and that saves a whole lot of wear and tear. Don't you think Tom? Absolutely. It does. It takes a while to realize. I mean, I do that, uh, uh, I actively do that with everything around here because, you know, I say to the kids, I, I used to go from one bit of chaos to, you know, to the next, to the next, to the next. And, and people, there are people I've been in relationships with that do that. They would just constantly keep, so always on eggshells, always on your toes, always on trying to do this thing and never taking that pause. And we really, I really actively take a pause. I'm also older, so I need a pause to, to figure out my next move. But you know, we look at, we have, we romanticize relationships like Sid and Nancy <laughs> died, <laughs> you know, Sid murdered Nancy. We, we, well, look at that beautiful relationship they had, or look at this stuff. And, that, and growing up, you see that and you go, well, you know, that's what a passionate uh, relationship is. Like one of my ex-wives stabbed me. That's what, that's passion. And, and Wait, you, is, had, you had a wife that stabbed you? Yeah, oh, you got to tell him. Yeah, I hate her. Uh, I hate her. Uh, Jenny Craig chocolate chip. Co- I took her Jenny Craig chocolate chip cookies away from her. We were in the middle of a horrible diet, so but she doesn't have. It's not really her fault. <laughs> if you're, but do, in you the believe, of a do you believe diet. in the concepts of borderline personality disorders? Right. Have you read yeah. the book Walking on Eggshells, or have you had to? Like I, I own yeah. the book. Um, yeah. you're talking about. Um, I mean. The reading I do continue to read is, you know, it really qualifies for a multiple personality disorder mm-hmm. because it's not a person who has a different side. To them. It's actually mm-hmm. two different person states. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. That's, that's a little creepy for me. Bifurcated personality. 
there's always that to look out for. When you feel like as you get older for both of you, you know, with the pause and all the work that you've done, I mean, do you at least feel like it's getting easier or do you feel like, no, I need to be alone forever? Or do you still have hope about maybe getting into a healthy relationship? Um, no. <laughs> I, no, I don't. I, you know, I, I have these kids, so uh, uh, I'm not going to ever be alone but but although their mom is doing her best but i you know and, and also i just it's been six years since i've had a date i say that i'm not in any hurry to to do that and uh and, and nor do i fear you know i mean it is a tough situation now my first ex-wife uh, god bless her she had multiple personality disorder diagnosed and the last couple of years of our relationship were going to johns hopkins defining the alters the different personalities she had i know there's a joke i did but it was true she had 27 different personalities and only two of them liked me and that's just her, and what the joke was and one was a small german boy uh jed aptel wrote that it's very funny but the truth is uh, i i feel like she supported me through getting sober i need to be of service my sponsor even said wear a shirt that says how can i be of service to you so I was working my way through around around this stuff, which I did not understand. I knew it was hurtful to me. I knew that she would disappear sometimes and I have to go find her and she'd be a teenage prostitute or whatever and bring her back. But I, I kept saying, this has to be whatever I, it feels like to me, it's got to be worse for her. But, you know, uh, you know, eventually you just wear down and you can't be you know, it wears Darryl, everything out. Are you a fixer? Because Tom and I are both total fixers. Um, I, I I alternate. You know, I'm the fixie, I'm the fixer. Mm -hmm. Two sides of the seesaw. I think what's important to me, what you know, what I'm getting from what Tom is just saying. The interesting thing about that is that at some point you had to make a decision and say to yourself, "Hey." I think I found Miss Wright. Mm -hmm. I yeah. found my mate. Mm -hmm. I mean, just let that sit for a second, because I mean, the people that were the most dominant in my life and, and will remain so historically, you know, a couple of them got arrested mm -hmm. for, and, and not for fucking violating recycling laws. You know, for some fucking real shit. Yeah. And I'm like, I was entitled. I, I was drawn to, for lack of a better word, some sort of criminality. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. You know, uh, Daryl, one of the stories, uh, the uh, woman, you were in New York and you had, you were badly in love with this woman. And then uh, you discovered some uh, nefarious uh, activity by her that she had another career, perhaps, that's the way to put it. And, uh, you know, and the way you discovered it and the way that you dealt with that. Do you mind sharing any of that story? It's, it's I can share a little bit of it. I mean, I'm, so, I'm, I'm currently writing my second book uh, on it. And this one's called Mon Monsters, Monsters Also Cry. And she... Yeah. 
cried a lot. You know, my doctors uh, interviewed her and decided one said she's a, a, a walking nuclear war. Another one said she's a, um, a, an anglerfish sociopath. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a double life, at least maybe a triple life. And um, when I had my main doctor in New York interview her for 90 minutes, she walked away saying, there's more than one of her. There's probably three of her. Okay. The interesting idea is, do the three parts talk to each other? Mm -hmm. Because that that loving, charming, God-infectious sun ray of light that comes out of this person that people are so drawn to. Um, and I remember, I remember saying to my doctor, I was like, you know, let's say her name was uh, Iris. I'll say, you know, the good Iris. The one everyone loves. And my doctor would say, and yet that's the one that tells the lies. That's the one that spreads the narrative. You know, I mean, if you look at a show like Dirty John and see that man that did that to three women in three, di- three different beaches, the performance art involved. Yeah. You know, and, you know, my doctor always says, you know, you have to, you know, you have to think of the three of them as one. It's really hard to. Mm-hmm. And you realize that you're talking about a person that no thought really crosses their mind mm-hmm. that isn't in furtherance of the thing they want most, which is to hurt somebody as badly as they can without actually going to jail. Mm-hmm. Right? I, 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 re, I relate Those? to that. You, uh, something that, uh, that and, and Rosanna's written about this, so I'm not talking out of school, but but what would happen is when we're in the middle of all this stuff and all this different, I'd come home and the person would answer the door in her body would be just this hateful teenage girl who hated me or whatever. And I would do something. You're not supposed to do this. It's called calling out an altar. Altars are the different. I would say, whoa, whoa, where's Cindy? Because Cindy was five. And Cindy was just great and loved me. And then, you know, she would transform into Cindy. I mean, it, it, in my case, this Cindy, I, I know personally, I wanted her to be the dominant. Uh, you know, I would take little Cindy. This is, you know, Roseanne must have been... Uh, close to 40 and she said he wanted to take gymnastics lessons. So I was, I was so all in on this. I would take this 40 year old woman in a, in a, a gymnastics outfit to gymnastics class with kids. And uh, at, because I was like, well, this is, I, I, I'm so nervous about the other personalities. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, uh, really be kind to this one and, and uh, give her what, Whatever she wants to do, she could do, and that—that is—that uh, seems 
crazy, but it's just one of the things, you know, the coping thing, you just, you're always trying to figure out how do I fix this, number one, how do I be of service to this person, and how do I just live day to day? How could my, how could I make my life livable? And I think that, uh, well, I think because you, know, you fall in love with the fantasy of that Cindy or whoever the good, the best version of that person is, I feel like, and then, cause you're trying to keep the shadow away. Like, how can I keep this going as long as I can? Yeah. My doctors call that simulacra. Um, it's real, but it's not true. And if you find a person like me um, and, and you're able to read me and, and, and this person was astonishingly bright and had academic achievements to prove it, um, you can figure out that wiring. Well, yeah, you know what? It, it, uh, your relationships have always been incredibly passionate sexually, too. Like, I, you know, I, we, you and I have talked for a few years. I assumed it you're writing another book, just talking things through with me. But, you know, there's a, there's a, one of the sides, which was very important to you was the, the sex and really passionate. And then the, the, the other side was, and I feel like you went, well, I'm going to put up with this other thing, because I know at the end of the rainbow is this sweet and then this passionate sexual relationship. And, um, uh, in the instance that we're talking about, uh, uh, that uh, with Iris, um, you know, there uh, there was perhaps something behind that uh, sexual uh, side of hypersexual side of her. Well, it's interesting to think that that a human might have quote unquote sexual wiring, mm -hmm. um, a, an itch that no one before now has known how to scratch. And once the the person figures out what that that ancient itch is, they can dive in and give you something that you've been wanting forever and ever and ever. And when they and also, you need to have really good blinds when you're lying on the bed next. To them, you know, you need to be able to say shit. That well. What they're selling is this. All my life, I've only been waiting for this moment to arrive. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Blackbird, the Beatles, but it's true. It's, yeah, it's hard to walk away from that. 
Well, they say if you didn't get the proper amount of oxytocin from your parent, your mother as a child, the person that could come into your life and make you feel oxytocin will make you feel love as well. Yes. And I also married my mother, who is the person that I have the most trauma, the most history and pain with. So, okay. So you went out just like me. Yep. And I didn't know it at the time, you know, in my twenties, I thought I just want to find a man who loves me and I'll, then I'll feel like my life is complete, you know, but I didn't know what love I was seeking out at what level until I found a really amazing therapist that was like, Oh, this is, you know, this is what's really, you know, let's talk about what's really going on. Um, But I will, I will say this. I know that when I fellowship out here in these 12 step programs with guys that I, I check in with every single day and, and, you know, and Tom is a satellite in my orbit and I see you from time to time and it's so enjoyable. I know that I, you know, you heard the the expression connection is the antidote to alcoholism or addiction. I, I know I feel some sort of goddamn love. Maybe it's love. I don't know doesn't hurt and you don't have you don't you don't need too much of it just the right amount you know um and i get that in a fellowship mm-hmm. but not in a monogamous sexual relationship i mean sooner or later i'm going to end up with Dracula's daughter <laughs> well it's it's very sad the fellowship is very satisfying to me and it's uh, the one consistent in my life for 35 yeah. years yeah uh, and just amazing people, and I never, I never don't feel better about myself after I spend time with the fellowship, as we call it. You know, and if people talk about, well, you, God, you know, uh, you got to turn to turn everything over to God, and and a lot of people have trouble with that because they they don't want to have a deity in their life, or they don't believe. But the the uh, fellowship of our twelve step buddies, that's. That's the God for, or that's enough right there. Yeah. You go, okay, there's something magical about that where all these degenerates, we all get together and all we know is doing drugs and doing sex or doing things and lying. And yet we're all together saying that with each other. And uh, you think, I think Bill Barr had a joke where, how does, how, how does AA work? What alcoholic's like, I, boy, I really need a drink. And then it was like, oh my God, you're reading my mind. Let's go get wasted. It seems like that's how it would work, but. You know, there's also the non-judgment. You also get to hear other people. You know, uh, I mean, early on, I I would hear people that you know were clean and sober, but they had uh, terrific sexual issues. You know, mm-hmm. and they're still out there doing that. And what I've learned over the last few years is, at least for me, you gotta you gotta be on point on all of it. You can't go well. I do this one thing that is incredibly inappropriate and dangerous and dishonest but i got i'm honest about these a couple other things and i i just feel like it always made it harder for people to stay alive with it you know it certainly with me uh you know if i if there's something that i'm not being honest about it'll just you know it'll 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 destroy me and daryl i do want to ask you number one when you're talking about the the uh the multiple personality thing do you feel like because you do impressions because you do characters 
because you, that that was also an attraction for them to you or to you for them because you're like oh they're doing a thing here i i don't really know i mean that's a very good question i mean the difference between me and the psychopath the wolf in sheep's, sheep's clothing i believe is that i'm telling you up front i'm on a show and we do impressions here's phil donahue yeah that's not the same thing is doing the incredibly incredibly cruel thing to someone where you tell them you love them but you don't yeah you may not be capable of understanding what that love is what what if you're if you're fucked up you don't you you could say the words and i've been in relationships where they keep saying words and eventually go you're saying words you know spiritual words or whatever and, and a lot of times they were spiritual people that had a business selling spiritual and i i've always found people that put up all those memes are a lot of times the least spiritual what did you discover and how much of that did it take for you to not kill yourself uh, uh you know well um took three doctors and a whole bunch of really good friends and i had therapy every day uh five days a week uh, five hours a week um, for at least a year. Mm -hmm. It took a good amount of money and a lot of health insurance. Mm -hmm. And it took some people out, that I met out here um, who would come and be with me, hang out with me. Because mm -hmm. I was, you know, really a crumpled mess. I mean, to discover that the person that you're madly in uh, in love with doesn't exist mm -hmm. will really rattle your cage. But you also discovered things about her behavior, like in the kind of a painful, most painful way with other men. Or, or if, I'm not, I'm not sure if I remember every detail, but she could, she definitely had, you know, was living straight up different lives and were you living together while this was going on no she, no did this happen did this relationship come after your two marriages yeah and i'll tell you the last time i was in new york i remember i went um back to the neighborhood where it all went down and there's the bench where we did this and there's the bench where we did that and because i had to ascertain for myself if, it, if the fucking shit really happened right, right because um there's there's a technique into getting up in someone's inside someone's head if you know what you're doing and you know i didn't know that i didn't know there was a t technique for that but you put put them in this position where their thoughts aren't even their own I mean, that's what the guy in Dear, Dirty John was about. That's what, if you watch the TV show American Greed, mm -hmm. you know, doesn't even have to be a romantic language. Someone walks into your world and introduces Semulegra, mm -hmm. introduces you to a reality, convinces you of a reality that you always needed to believe was true. Mm -hmm. 
And um, it's so real, but it's not true. You know what I mean? The it's a performance art. And good God. Um, it, did something happen in the lobby of the of her apartment building or something? Did something, did something go down there? You witnessed uh, another gentleman or Another something? man who was looking at me the way I would be looking at him if I saw him with her. Mm -hmm. with horror with entitlement mm -hmm. and it took me a while for my you know your soul knows right away but your mind won't accept it for a little while but suddenly a cover story that i was a part of was blown mm -hmm. right the people with different lives whole different lives are incredibly sensitive about having their I'm a good person narrative blown. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, I mean, you see, you hear about all these, you know, the gangster lore, they pay for funerals, they fund the Little League, they fund the church, the Sopranos. Now you hear about that. But, um, you take the image out of their mind that they really are a good guy, mm -hmm. go ballistic, mm -hmm. right? So the whole thing blew up that day. And um, it, it's weird to be with someone that you've been loving for months mm -hmm. and have them whirl at one point and scream you're suffocating. Does any of this make sense, Tom? It does. And if they say you're suffocating me, uh, which seems like an oddest, some sort of an oddest uh, guttural thing from them, uh, you know, usually means you now you've discovered something about me that I do not want to discuss, whether it be another relationship with somebody else or something else that I've got to. Playing so the to victim, you know, I'm the you. victim. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm gonna burn you down. Do you find that uh, because you're a well-known individual, and people see you on TV, they see your work, they love it. Well, how do you think that hinders or helps your relationships? It's it, you know, SNL is such a big deal that I can't even fathom. You know, and I had a thing happen the other night with someone. Just met them. Friend of a friend, not a friend. Yeah, a friend of my friend who brought this person. Who seconds within after sitting down. Became very insistent that I meet her husband so we can do Sean Connery for each other. Oh, oh my God. God. And I, and I said, I'm not sure I have the word right, but I'm feeling a little objectified, lady. Good for you. We don't know each other 60 seconds, and, and, and you, you assume that I'm a trained monkey, that I'm not real. Yeah. And and you you get a fair amount of that. Well, and the ask was the ask was with Daryl was weird because if she said, I want I love your Sean Connery, come back to my apartment. 
and have sex with me and do it as Sean Connery. Well, that's it, you know, but it's like my husband over here, I'm going to uh, be, it is, well, you do, you do. I find most people, you know, uh, are very uh, nice and, uh, you know. Uh, most people, 99.9% .9 of the people. Yeah, but there's and some, you know, know, and we really, when somebody's an asshole or says something, we tend to grab onto that because of our personalities. Like, we will remember that. Like, that's, uh, you know, it's it, when people are very kind, sometimes it's like, you know, at least for my situation, like uh, on the internet, when people troll me or say shitty things, I find it kind of, sometimes they're good and I try to respond to those in a funny way or whatever way. And you get a lot of love if you're speaking for myself and you out there and you take it like, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, you're hurting me for real. All this love and appreciation. But when somebody, you know, I'm, I'm always ready to fight too on the internet. And, and so someone says something really shitty and it's usually the same stuff. What about Roseanne? What about, you'd be nothing without Roseanne. You're 15 minutes of fame, it's, you know, on and on and on. And you know, it, I mean, uh, I think it might've bothered me way for a minute back 25 years ago or something, but I, it's, it's funny and it shows how stupid they are. They can't even spell Roseanne. They're like R-O-S, a-N-N-E, there's an E. I had the name tattooed on my ass for a while. I know how to spell Roseanne, but I don't, uh, you know, do you, you just don't... engage in trolls or do you, have you had many or do you even look at your social media? I don't really. Probably for your mental health, I would assume. I, I tell my kids too, if you're going to be on social media, if you can have your feelings hurt on social media, you can't be on social media. But, uh, you know, uh, when you're in your, when you're where Daryl was and, and the person comes up and does the Sean Connery thing, it's disappointing. <laughs> More to my husband, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I, I, I assume it's, though you've got to kind of laugh it off and you have to have, you have to have a, a response always to be a little assertive. Uh, you know, I said to a friend of mine, is, is this close to what happens if you meet a man? And you're trying to have a conversation with him and he's staring at your tits the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great, yeah. that's and, a good one. I think, think about this. Think about what Sean Cottery had to deal with, with people. Daryl, where are you, where are you at now in terms of your relationship with your ex-wife? Are we on good terms? Or we I think so. I mean, the, the divorce was tumultuous. Um, and, 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 you know, like I say, uh, you can get divorced three times and still kind of go, well, that crazy bitch. But when I got divorced the fourth time, I'm like, maybe it's me. So I got to figure out what it is about me that keeps uh, uh, getting in these relationships. And I think with you, Daryl, you're an impressionist, too. So if I were uh, living in that alternate world, which you, you certainly know a little bit about since you have inhabited other human beings. You have taken them in and, uh, and shown what you see from them. So uh, maybe that's, uh, maybe there's something there that, that connects you to these. Well, it's interesting to me that I'm doing it on TV with my name underneath the performance saying this is a costume, hair and makeup, and I'm performing, mm -hmm. right? 
it, it's the other person who, who, who it's the performance art of convincing someone that this is, this is real mm -hmm. and bringing over the little, you know, doodads and trinkets. And here's your, here's a statue of the, your favorite dog and making sure there's refrigerators is filled with all your favorite food and, um, lots of love bombing. Well, let's talk about the love bombing thing. I had no idea what that was until I got therapy and a therapist explained that to me because, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I can see how, I mean, do you feel like it's Oh, was one-sided or do you feel like you also sometimes partake in the love bombing? Oh, I was madly in love. I mean, um, do you feel like you love bomb people sometimes? I think I do all the things that are, uh, um, that are unflattering. I just don't do them to the same degree that a person who will have you change your whole world knowing the whole time that this is bogus. Mm. This is bogus. I have targeted you. I'm come for this apartment. Mm. I've come for a child and I've come for marriage. Mm. That's that apparently there are people out there that do stuff like that, you know. Is I this wanna, I don't want to target anyone individual or give any place or point in time, but I have had that experience and Tom knows about it well. He said, oh, man, you got to write about this. And um, I might. So this isn't part of your new book that you're writing? Yeah, I want to, you know, so I, I go through days like today, like, do I really want to write this fucking shit? Mm -hmm. You know, some part of me is compelling me to tell this story. Yeah. And I'm doing it very slowly. But then I have days like today. It's like, do I want to fuck around with this person? Mm -hmm. I mean, you could disguise... You can just put it in a different city, in a different time, in a different place with a different name, but the person involved is going to recognize the dialogue and the story. Isn't that kind of the part of the point, though? I guess it's part of the point, but do I, I but, say to myself, do I want this person mad at me? Yeah, well, also, maybe they'll get it. Maybe this time, if I write about it, they'll look at it go, oh, my gosh, that's me. Here's what I need to fix. And it doesn't work. Selfishly, do you think, I mean, not selfishly, but in a good way, like if it's, I feel like if it's healing for you, mm -hmm. then you should a hundred percent do it. Oh, I know. I'll write it. Um, yeah. Will I publish it? Yeah. You know, my co-author is, is, a, is afraid. Mm -hmm. I do. You know, her fears have to be allayed, but I mean, it'll take two years to write it. Well, you started telling me this story a couple years ago and I was like, you got to be shitting me. You got to write this. I mean, it's, you know, as a, as a writer, as a, 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 you know, there are so many, it is so great. We had the showrunner from Dirty John on here uh, a week or two ago, Evan Wright. And, uh, you know, he, he certainly created a, you know, he went through his process and how his real world, like, is, you know, it's just with his journalism and art and then his real world is like, you know, and how he's dealt with that, you know, and uh, I think that I would like to, because there's things and, and it's always good when you go, nobody's going to understand my thing 
because they've never been through anything like it. And then you hear Daryl share, and you go, oh, shit, I, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. You know, what? what's interesting to me is, is how extraordinarily gifted these people are in many ways, certainly intellectually. Mm -hmm. Just fabulous, fabulous brains. Um, is it a sociopath or what is this? Do we know what we call this type of person that just can morph into the sort of the con artist, I guess? Of I've never been clear on what, what you call them. But sociopath, I think, is, is pretty accurate because, you know, especially once you acknowledge that, you go, okay, there's nothing I can, you know, you go to therapy with them all you want. And it really becomes what they want you and right it's like a game for them well i mean depends on you who you're talking about you're talking about um here's where we get into really interesting territory for me it's because are we talking about a sociopath are we talking about a psychopath or are we talking about a borderline personality mm -hmm. i mean a borderline personality the more we learn about borderline personalities they've got to be the most fascinating people on the face of the earth um what are we talking about here? And and, and there's sort of a, mis, a mishmash, you know, um, a psychopath and a sociopath. What's, I don't I don't really understand the difference, except that one of them may <clears throat> get more enjoyment out of it. Mm -hmm. Which one? I don't know. When you hear about these terrible relationships, you you know uh, what is to be learned? Well. A lot of times people, men and women, will meet someone and they'll drop everybody they've ever met. Their, their family of origin, their friends, this person will kind of convince them that they've actually are the person you see people falling away. And then they, they, but they go willingly. They say, okay, this is what I want. This is the best thing for me. I don't know this person, but I really do know them. Yeah. It's like and, they're your instant cult leader in a yeah. sense. You don't look at, but you look at my advice is look at the family, the relationships, the, the friendships. Uh, you know, not everybody has a great relationship with their family of origin, but you can kind of tell a little. And we all come into things with a, a little fucked up. You know, yeah. we all got our things that we're looking for to replace maybe what we didn't have or what we we think is the right thing and how we want to conduct the rest of our lives. But uh, people that are like, I met somebody in Vegas. We got married that night. Uh, you know, it, it's that's taken a hell of a leap of faith. I mean, I've definitely been guilty in my teens and 20s where I would meet someone and I would be exactly who you just described. I would cancel plans with friends. I would just it was such a weird like, again, like a new drug. And that's all that I wanted to do. And I would make up excuses to not see people. Um and the only thing that kind of just hit for me right now about that was, you know, I wasn't taught what a healthy relationship was. I didn't have one in my home. And I don't know about you guys, but my mom never went out to dinner with friends. Like she had friends, but they were work friends. Right. You know, there was no, my mom had no social life outside of being on call for my stepdad and doing whatever he, you know, whatever he wanted to do was how the house was run. And so I guess on some level that made me think that you just got to be all in. Mm -hmm. 
And it took me a lot of time to not feel good about myself and to lose a couple of friends over the course of me choosing whatever my flavor of the month was um, to kind of think, well, I guess, yeah, like I'm, I guess it's me or something's amiss Mm -hmm. that I had to investigate in therapy and it's taken me years to get better at it. I'm constantly, you know, I'm constantly coming across situations. I'm constantly, I'm going to say every year or two, I, I'm in a, I find myself in a situation I've never been in before. That's, that's, that's complex. And because I have self-determination, I respond and find out my response was from a a Rolodex of possible responses that I saw growing up as a child, and it's probably not right. You know, uh, learning, learning, learning all the time, living a life of consultation. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. You know, a lot of young, a uh, lot of women, I'm sure bad too, but you grow up and you're like, I got to get out of this situation. The best way to get out is to meet a guy, meet a woman, and boo, and, you know, I'm desperate to get out of this, the the funk of this house, the funk of all these. I want to get out and, you know, enjoy life. And that's the way to do it. If you have nobody saying, here's what you do. My mom was 16. My dad was 18. I mean, you know, then she left right away. Get, so you got to kind of, you know. You say gotta, we want to get out and then we jump right into the exact same fucking thing that we are comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's some excitement too. Another thing to Daryl, I don't know if you have this, where someone come up and start talking to you and go, I did it. They told me who you were. I had no idea anything about you. That's such fucking bullshit. Like, I don't I watch TV. Along. I play along so I don't have to talk to them anymore. And, uh, but, you know, that why, why someone would think that's the great, they say you're somebody, you've done stuff. I have no idea who you are. <laughs> You know, but that's also like in the back of my mind, but maybe she does it. I, this, this is a great relationship we have. She's taking me at face value. And, uh, and then you, you, you find out uh, differently, you know, if they loved our work, Daryl, I think you'd agree everything about our work, it would make life a lot easier. <laughs> I've been approached by every manner of heathen. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I have, than a heathen in my own right, but not to that degree. Yeah. Well, I you mean, know. yeah, you got to figure out a way to, you know, even like backstage at the comedy clubs, uh, I I found that I'm a little, I was, you know, about it, it, it. I seem like a very social person, but first of all, I don't know who people are. And I genuinely don't. They're younger or they do stuff. I'm trying to figure it out. I don't want to embarrass them. I want to say something nice. And there's a lot of great people out there. But I had to force myself, okay, just be a human being, sit there and uh, say hello or, or pretend, you know, and uh, it's much it's much as I do as a, as a father, because you got to do shit that's so boring to you. It, you know, it, it normal, you go, I, this is not what I want to do, whatever, but it, you do it with your kids. And then eventually you're like, okay, I get this. I get that. And maybe that'll help me in, in my next relationship too. But, uh, but yeah, you get this. You do stuff that's uh, maybe, you know, it's not all about being comfortable. And then you figure out ways to love it. 
Well, hell, let me write it down. <laughs> I'll make you a bumper sticker. Well, I want to thank you for having me on again, you guys. Daryl, it was good you, to see you. We love you, Thanks buddy. Thanks for being love so you too. I'll be Monica. seeing you around campus, Tom. And Monica, maybe I'll run into you sometime as well. Definitely. Thank you, Daryl. You're doing good. You're doing, you're fucking killing it, man. I'm trying, bro. It is hard. Thank you. I love you. Proud of you. You're killing it. Thank you for doing this again. I know it's painful. Thank you, sir. All right. Talk to them. Thank you. Bye, Bye now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.